Hi, this is Jason Faisal, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. We're glad that you stopped by this week's teaching podcast. We're in week eight of Philippians. We're going to look at Philippians chapter three, verses one through 11. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week. I'm going um, to stand here. I haven't said you may be seated in, in a long time. You may be seated at home too. Home, we are paying attention to you. Now, church family that's here, it's, it's almost as if you guys never left, really, because I, I, almost everybody came back, which I didn't know what to expect today, honestly. I, I had no idea. I didn't know if we would have 150,000 people here or five people here. I just didn't know. And one of the things that is really important, and I, I'm going to continue to talk this way, and this is strategic, this is uh, behind the curtain, this is so you understand philosophically as a church where, where we're going is that there are more than one audience paying attention to church right now. There's the audience that's sitting in the pews, and that's usually the way in which we think about audiences, that they're coming to show up to church to participate in church. But as the church has had to pivot a little bit, all of a sudden church leadership across the world, and something that we already knew, I think, here, is that there's more than just the people who are sitting in the pews. There's, there are many more people than that, and now as a result of, of being forced to do church in a way that we've had the last six to seven, eight weeks, we've become more aware. And so, yes, this, this projection and that, what's happening here, um, is, is an important part of the future church. Because there's a second group of people that are drive-by, looky-loos, trying to figure out what Jesus is all about, and they want to see people who are authentically loving him, worshiping him, understanding him, and having Jesus change their lives from the inside out. And there's a group of people who are really seeking to know truth, to understand truth, who have questions and and are looking. And we have an opportunity to show them who we are. We have an opportunity like we've never had before to show them who we are. That group of people out there saying, what is this church thing all about? Who is this Jesus all, that you guys keep talking about all about? Then there's a third audience. The third audience is the one where we're putting the sign in their yard saying, hey, we love you, and we want you to know what we're all about. And that audience responds when a church like us responds appropriately to the stresses of the world. It doesn't matter if it's the current stress that we're dealing with, the COVID stress, or 9-11, or World War II, or Vietnam, or whatever. It doesn't matter. There has been stress against people from, from the beginning of sin. And how God's people responds to the stress against them and shows the world what it looks like to live as people of God draws the lost into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So more now, more than ever, there are those who have renounced Christ that are looking at people who say that they love Jesus and seeing how they respond to the stress. From the beginning, from the beginning of God calling out Abram, he has been asking his people to live differently. From the beginning, to live in a way to where the world can watch. And I've talked about that a lot here on Sunday mornings. I'm I want you to live covenantally with me so that the world will know who I am. And the same, the same message exists for us today. How do we live in a way in which the world can look and say, 
that's different, that's unique, and I'm interested in understanding why they do it that way. So Philippians has been a good book to challenge me personally in that regard. It's addressed certain things in my, my, my life that I didn't realize were things. It, it, it forced me to deal with the, how much I complain. It forced me to deal with uh, how, how, how much people have hurt me in the past and I've taken that into my leadership and, and actually hindered my personal leadership ability and pastoral ability. It's, it's caused me to, to be reflective on, on my own soul and wrestle with how I'm living in a way in which the world is pushing against us or pushing against me. And it's been, a, it's been a great book for me to wrestle with. And so this morning as we're in our eighth week of looking at the book of Philippians, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 11. I kept telling Adrienne uh, over the last like day or like 18 hours maybe, it's probably not been 24 hours, that I don't have a punch for this particular Sunday. I have a bunch of content. I have a bunch of, of, of things that are, are biblical truths. There's teaching. There's the way that it breaks down. There's how to go through the text and just talk about the text. I have all that, but I, I don't have a, a punch even to me that makes me feel like this was, this is my application. This is the thing that I'm walking away with uh, that, that makes me go, yes, I need to alter, or this is what, this is what the text is trying to, to grab into my soul and twist just enough so that I, I'm transformed and live differently today. And I think, and I didn't have that, and I was stressing about it, and I was like, I always, that's usually what happens, I always have a punch. And it's not necessarily I'm thinking about you, which probably is the appropriate way at times to do it, but I think about me, and that's why you get a lot of illustration. That's why my illustrations usually come from a personal standpoint, and, and I, I talk about self a lot because it's what I'm wrestling with. It's, it's, these are the things, these are the truths of Scripture that are hitting me right now. And so uh, one of the things that I, I kept struggling with is I don't have anything in this particular text that's hitting me, that's saying, you need to be different because of this. I'm going to read it to you, and just as we read it, know that that's been my struggle for the last few days. I understand the text. In fact, when I read it to you, you're going to go, I understand the text. I understand what's happening here. And Philippians is a book that most people who have been going to church for a long, long time know and read and studied and understand it. And you're, I'm going to say things that you already have heard before. And just as I go through it, I want you to know that I had a hard time finding my personal application for me. And let that reveal itself as we go through this. Please. So let me look. Let's look at this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for we are, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under law, blameless. 
But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Instead, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but but that which comes through faith in Christ and righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Again, we find this word in this text that Paul has been saying regularly through all of the chapters so far, rejoice. Have joy. Joy, have joy with me. Rejoice with me. Uh, and, and that's kind of the theme of Philippians. It's, kind of, it's joyful living in the face of opposition. It's joyful living in spite of our life, life circumstances. It's living joyful regardless of our situations. And, and frankly, it seems like a perfect thing to be saying to one another right now as a church. I can say it to you, and now that I have an audience, this is way easier for me, but I can say it to you, and, and it just goes there, and it's just like, live joyfully, right? But when a church starts to say that to each other, whether it's in person or digitally, virtually, when we say to each other, live joyfully in spite of our circumstances, when we can actually, with confidence and authority, say that to one another, that changes the language and the power enough. So there's many times where, where a pastor will stand up here and he'll talk and he'll share truth and text and, and work you through the scriptures and show you the scriptures, but at the same time and give you like four or five applications. And the phrase that I use is that I learned from somebody else, I stole it from somebody else, I should say not learned, I stole it. When we crank the blanks, when we fill in the blanks, and we make sure that you learn something, is that really doing anything? Well, yeah, you're gaining some knowledge, and there's some of you some of you in this room and some of you online who are virtual or, or uh, cerebral learners, who, is this, who has to read and they learn, and as they read, they get the application because they just, they, that's the way they learn. They're intellectual. Raise your hand if you're that person. Who you read and then you gain knowledge because you gain knowledge, now you have an application. Anyone, anyone? Okay. I'm not that guy. When I read stuff, I don't get the application immediately. I have to have somebody in my life tell me I'm doing something wrong, and then all of a sudden the things that I just read connected to the, 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 the text and go, wait a second, that's what Paul's addressing. So, for example, let's go backwards a step. Last week, last week, one of the key verses was do everything without grumbling or complaining. Well, we can read that and go, yeah, right, do everything without grumbling and complaining. But when somebody in your life, and I'm not saying anybody in my life particularly, by name, said this to me, you complain an awful lot. When somebody says that to you and then you attach it, when I attach it to a text, all of a sudden I'm going, wait a second, I do complain a lot. I grumble quite a bit. I complain about virtually everything. I'm a grouch. And I'm a, I'm a grouch who lives in a trash can. And I am Oscar the Grouch, incarnate as a grown man, complaining about everything. And then when life is good, I say, I like trash. Bring my garbage back to me. And so then 
as I'm wrestling with that, personally, all of a sudden, um, I'm going, wait a second. Paul's trying to tell the church something, and Paul's trying to tell me something. Don't complain. Oh, I see. I got it. Don't complain. Hmm. Application for me. But when we as a church say and read through the text many times in this Philippians book, rejoice, rejoice, do this with rejoice, do this with joy, rejoice in your hearts, in spite of what's going on in my life, rejoice. The, the gospel advance is advancing. Rejoice. Paul is actually trying, I think, to double down again with this church to say, in spite of all that you are experiencing, it's time to have joy because God is on the move. It's time to rejoice because God is active. It's time to rejoice because God is doing things that you may not see and I may not see, but rejoice. So tell your family member next to you that they should rejoice right now. Tell them. Hey, online church, I'm going to introduce you to somebody that's really fun. Adrian, come here. Come on, stand up. Just stand up. Stand up. Stand up, please. I, this is our first time back together in church. I just want you to look in the camera. Get close. Come on. It's cracking me up. She's fogging up because she has a mask on. Sweetie, I love you. Oh, my goodness. It cracks me up so much. I, it's almost impossible for me to keep a straight face right here. And I just want you to know if I'm giggling, that's why. Because all I see is Adrienne and, and her, her glasses are just fogging up. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, say rejoice with authority to your neighbor. <laughs> right, so when, you, when, when, we mumble, when we mumble truths to one another, when we, when we mumble and like haphazardly uh, say to one another certain biblical truths, um, like, for example, I brought all the kids down here and we sang Jesus Loves Me. Those things become cliche after a certain amount of time, and we kind of just go through the motions. And I think this is why Paul is doubling down again. They've obviously heard him say rejoice in all circumstances. Rejoice. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Rejoice. In spite of what's happening, rejoice. And, and I think that just kind of goes into the brain in one ear, out the other. And what's happening in the church right now is the biggest thing that, that Paul is going to address here in just a second is that there are people that are sneaking into the church and are going to begin to divide the church. He calls them three names. If you go down with me to verse 3, he says, Look out for dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for the dogs. Right? Not like dogs. If you're, but like, look out for those who are trying to do things within your organization, within your group, that are going to steer you away from truth or steer you into disunity. Remember, it was all about unity. This is about, Paul be, it was, has been teaching about joy through unity and unity. And the, this unified Philippian church is proclaiming the good news in spite of the circumstances that are pressing against them. But now Paul is addressing, addressing something very specific, very specific. There are evildoers, there are dogs, there are mutilators of the flesh. There are people who are coming into your ranks and are trying to steer the church in a different direction. And that's a word for us today. For today. It is really easy right now and I, and I, to, to look and see out there and have all the different opinions of what the church should be doing. 
In fact, there's a lot of opinions about what's actually happening in our state because we're one of the few states that where churches are actually gathering again. And there's a lot of opinions coming from other locations saying, you can't do that. But the danger as, 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 a, as a church for unity's sake is when those come, with, come within and they look just like us, they talk just like us, they, they in fact, they, they teach and, and, and speak in a way to which we go, yeah, that's right, that's true, that's, that's something that's powerful there, and I want to grab a hold of it and use that and bring it as my own. And Paul's saying, no, there are these people that look, look like a puppy, a cute little puppy, and they're going to destroy the unity that we've built because of Jesus. They're going to destroy it and move you in another direction. They're dogs. Watch out for them. There's evildoers. There's ones who are going to come in and specifically try to steer you into an evil way. And then there's these mutilators of the flesh. And he addresses that. What's a mutilator of the flesh? Well, it's somebody who's coming in. They're Judaizers who's coming in and saying, you have to abide by the law. Somebody who says, let's turn back to Leviticus. And what does Leviticus say? And let's turn there and let's follow all those rules. And you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Christ. You're not a follower of the Messiah. You don't have the Messiah brain that we've talked about last week. You don't have the Messiah as your leader because you're not following the law. The law supplants all that. And this is what he's saying. So mutilators of the flesh, people are coming in and and challenging the Gentiles who are coming into the church, challenging them. To say, have you been circumcised yet? You're not a real Christian if you haven't been circumcised. Have you heard some of those phrases? Maybe not circumcision, but have you heard some of those phrases in our life? You are not a real believer unless you do. I have some of that in my history that's been kind of ugly. You're not a real Christian until we do this to you. And for me, it was baptism. You're not a real believer until you've been dunked. What? But if you were to go in your mind, there's been times in your life to where you've had somebody say to you, are you sure? Maybe you need to do this. Jesus plus this other thing. And we could go through each thing and describe what it is and talk about it in a a deeper way. But you get the point. The key here is that Paul is saying, Philippian church, You've worked so hard to be together in spite of all that's happening. You have unity. You have unity under Christ. Don't allow this situation to separate you. And for us today, the 21st century church, let's not allow COVID to separate us as a church. Not just this church, but the churches next door, the churches down the street, the churches on the east side, the churches in Cheyenne, the churches in Buffalo, the churches in Wyoming, the churches and churches and churches. Let's stop right now and pray for our churches. Father in heaven, we want to pray again like we do every week that the churches here in Casper proclaim the good news of the gospel with power and authority, with life-giving truth of who your son Jesus is so that someone watching, someone attending will say yes and amen, I need to have that Jesus in my life and put faith and trust in you. Lord, give the, give the worship teams across the, the state anointing today in Casper specifically. Give, give the preachers power and authority through teaching the scriptures. Lord, that people encounter you in a living and real way today. In Jesus' name, amen. That's been one of the most helpful things for me as a, as a leader, to begin to honor and respect and know that the other churches are, are on the same team and they're, and they're wanting to have the same mission just as we do, to see people come to know Jesus Christ. 
and uh, even as today happens, as COVID is going through and we're trying to figure out how to, to navigate our new norms, this is a thing that could stir the church up, spit it out. And so we're not going to allow that. Once again, I'm going to say it. I've said this a lot. I, Ravi Zacharias, one of our most famous uh, CMA guys, he's an ordained minister of the gospel of the Christian Missionary Alliance who's fighting for his life right now, says that the supreme ethic of God is love. The supreme ethic of God's church should be love. And so, as we feel disunity happening, it may be not because of false teaching or somebody coming in saying that you need to do this particular thing, but it could be because of attitude or frustration or disappointment or annoyance or somebody's hair color is the wrong way or I haven't revealed my sleeve tattoo yet to anybody. That's why I wear long sleeves all year long. Just kidding. There's somebody in this room who's like, what? But I do have a belly button ring. I just wondered if anybody's paying attention. My mom knows. She's watching. She knows I have a belly button. She gave it to me. But we have these things that could drive us away from one another, to tear us apart. And I want to say, as Paul is preaching and teaching his church that he planted, the Philippian church, I'm saying to us, we need to have unity under Christ and continue to strive to look for those things that it's going to cause disunity amongst us. And sure, again, I'm going to repeat myself, we're not going to have people slip in here that are going to lead us astray doctrinally. We're not going to have people who are going to come in here and say, no, 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 you need to get gay earrings in order to love Jesus. We're not going to have that. Sort of, it's just not going to happen here. And it probably doesn't happen as much in churches like ours. But there are attitudes and behaviors and even ways in which we think about other people that slip into a church that cause us to turn a little bit away from people or to turn a little bit this direction and move away from them or feel uncomfortable. And I tell you, there's a neighborhood right over here that need to hear the truth of this church and who we are and what kind of people we are. Because those people, who would, they were to step in here, would go, oh my goodness, this is a group of loving, generous, caring on fire for Jesus people. And I don't know how that works, but I want to know a little bit more about it. And that's the kind of people that I stand here and look out and see. People who say, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm coming to church. Church is happening today. And I'm bringing my family and we're going to abide by whatever rules we need to abide by, but we're going to be there because we want to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there's others like my family who are going to be here with the mask because that's what they—that's how we feel we should behave, and how we—and you guys are going to look at them, and they're going to look at you, and guess what? The same kind of love is going to exist amongst us because we're people of Christ, and we're united under Christ, and that's what Paul is saying. Regardless of who's coming into our church, and here's the next part: regardless of how good of a church we are, or how good of a pastor I am, or how good of a people that we are, including all of my accolades, all the. I'm a Jew of Jews. I'm, a, I'm the best of the best. This is what Paul's saying as you work through the text. I'm a Pharisee amongst the Pharisees. There is no one greater than me. I'm going to put that aside, and I'm going to throw that away. In fact, I'm going to call that cow poo, and I'm going to call it rubbish. That means nothing because of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's asking us to live as, as the people who are so fallen out and loving Jesus Christ, that no matter what happens to us, we don't care. No matter what sort of accolades we have had in the past, we don't care. No matter how good we are or how big things were or, or what has happened, we don't care because it's all for Jesus. And that's what Paul is addressing, that you guys, as a church, you're going to have people that are going to cause disunity. And I want to tell you this, I want to tell you this, that regardless of 
the people who come into your church, Jesus has to be at the forefront of who you are as people. And that is, that is what this church is going to live by. That's why I think Philippians has been such an incredible book for us, to remind us of the power, authority, and life-giving truth that comes from the person of Jesus Christ as he indwells each one of us individually, and we come together as a corporate unit. We live with power and authority to be a witness to who he is in strange days, in tough times. And it doesn't matter what season it is. It doesn't matter if it's the first century or the 21st century. The church of Jesus Christ has been battling against strange days since then. There's not people coming to our church and going to persecute us. I do have to take my temperature and keep a log. So if a public health official shows up, I can show them that I have been taking my temperature. And I assure you, based on my temperature from this morning, I'm dead. It was like low 90s. I am cold. I am a corpse. But regardless of the pressure, the person of Jesus Christ needs to be at the forefront of who we are. Now let me lead, read this last bit of text to us. I'm going to pick it up at the second part of verse 8. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Jesus, gain Christ, gain the Messiah and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, so that I may know him and the power of the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection, meaning the power of life over death. Put that in your brain and let it stir around. Create a little soup in your brain with it. The power of life over death, meaning that there is nothing on this earth that will separate you from the love of Christ, which he tells the Roman church, because even death has no sting or victory over us. We have life over death because we understand and receive the power of the resurrection. And this is what Paul's saying. I count all of that my gain and everything that I've had in the past I could throw away because I have life over death. That needs to have a, a, a shattering thing that happens in your soul to completely change you, to break you down. Like you're building this strength muscle in your soul. It needs to tear you down a little bit and realize what are you holding on to that's not allowing you in your life, to experience this power and authority over the resurrection life? What is that thing that you're holding on to? And all of this comes, as Paul says, through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection may share in his sufferings may become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Regardless of our circumstances, we live with joy because we know that we have this resurrection life living within us if we've proclaimed the good news of Jesus. We put our faith in him. We put, made him Lord. Remember a few weeks ago we made him Lord. We made him king. We made him example to how we're supposed to live. That's the person of Jesus Christ in our life. So, you remember what I opened up with? I didn't have a punch. I don't have a punch. 
until this morning. You probably knew that I was going to have a, I'm not very tricky. This shoe is driving me crazy because I keep tripping over it. Don't touch that. <laughs> Carter, I'd like to invite, I'm just kidding, I'm going to punch you. No, here's, here's the punch. And I, I felt it this morning. And um, I'm probably going to continue to be like this, by the way. Running around this morning, before church, working with, with Flint and the worship team, and setting things up, and washing things down, and, and doing all this busy work, and all of this stuff, and making sure that the video looks right, and making sure that we have the screen right, and making sure that everything is connected, and working through all that, because I know in my brain how it's supposed to look. I know in my brain what church is gonna, what a good church looks like. I know in my brain, because of my skill, and my ability, and my training, and how much I've read, and all of the things that I, 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 and my talent, and my skill, and all of this stuff, I know it how it's supposed to be. I know all of that. And I wrestle with it, and I tell people how to do it, and I'm getting more authoritative. I did it to Pam this morning. This needs to sound this way, because if you hear it back over here, it doesn't sound the way we need it to sound. Because there's a, a translation issue that happens from the room, by the way, to the screen. You all know that. I mean, listen to me. I'm different because there's 55, 60, I don't even know, maybe 85 people in this room. I'm different. That's how it works. But at the same time, all of a sudden, I had this realization that I, because of all of this stuff that I know and all this stuff that I've trained myself in and read about and learned on, it's nothing if I don't have Jesus at the center. This church means nothing if Christ isn't the center of who we are. If we're not living the resurrection life, I can have the most beautiful website and build the best production studio and have all of the things the right way. And we're going to get there, by the way. And we can do all of that just right and have the lighting right and have it look. And there could just be this beautiful glow of my face on the screen. And people at home go, oh, man, this man is amazing. And all of that could happen. But it means nothing without Jesus at the center of who we are as people. And it affects the way in which I talk at times, so my punch is to me again. The application is to me again, and that's how it's going to work. Sure, I'm going to lead, and I'm going to lead hard, and I'm going to lead like a tyrant sometimes, and I'm going to help us be better as a church, and I'm just going to do that. But there are times in which that goes too far, and that becomes, it's not about, the, it's not about church anymore. It's about being a Judaizer. It's about, have you done this? Have you been, are we doing church plus? And that was incredibly frustrating to me as I was dealing with it personally over there as I was trying, still trying to tinker. That's what Paul is addressing here, that it's about Jesus and Jesus only. And it doesn't matter how good we are at anything. It doesn't matter the skill that we have. It doesn't matter all the awards that I have. It doesn't matter the type of people that we are. It doesn't matter our talent and, and, and all of this stuff or our education because at the core of it, Jesus is the thing that draws people Jesus is the thing that builds his church. Jesus is the point in which we gather like this. It's not because of me, and it's not because of you, and it's not because of our little kids. It's because we love Jesus so much that we're compelled as a church to gather and worship and praise and look into a scripture and challenge and encourage each other with authority. And that's why I say when we begin to rejoice together, we need to turn to one another and not just hear it from me, but say to one another, Rejoice because Jesus is alive and we live a resurrected life. 
And that's the power and authority that comes from Christ and Christ alone. And this is what Paul is saying to his church. Don't be disunity. Don't have disunity because of all of the things that you think that you are. Because you are nothing without Jesus. We are nothing at Casper Alliance Church without Jesus. I am nothing without Jesus. And that's what this text says to me this week, but I only got it this morning when I was yelling at people about sounding better. Sorry, parents. <laughs> but we did need to go a little faster. It's, 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 that's the heart of um, who we are as a church and trying to do things well. We'll continue, to, we'll continue to leak our sinful human sides into it regularly. And so we have to check ourselves. We have to check ourselves. And so I'm checking in front of you. That's my job. I get to do that. And so thank you for coming today. Philippians 3, 1 through 11 might say something else to you. That's what it said to me this morning. As I studied this week, I got the punch this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to have one closing song. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Um, we're going to pray and uh, say, say have a good Sunday. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> you can come up, Adrian, for the worship team. Uh, um, virtual church, this is not a problem that you have. One of the strengths of you, people, is you love to linger. My suggestion is, don't. Just go home today. We'll, lingering will come back. Now, family members, I know it's hard to gather all the kids and stuff. Try to, uh, try as we, we have two exits. Try to, uh, try to socially distance the best you can. I, I mean, are we going to hate that word at some point, right? Do we already hate that word? <laughs> all right. Try to distance socially. Does that make it better? <laughs> try to keep a, try to keep a, a radius. Uh, is he walking too? How many of our littles are now walking? Sorry, we we had all these babies before quarantine that were in cradles, and now they're all running around the church walking. Now, they're not running around the church. Public health, if you're watching too. Um, but it's awesome. It's awesome to see little kids. So my suggestion is to, to move out and, and just go. And in a few weeks, we'll start to do things like we normally have done. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you uh, for who you are and, and your impact and uh, authority into our lives. Lord, uh, thank you that we're, we're bridging and learning how to do online church with in-person church. Continue to give us ideas and resources and, and helps and, and ways to do it in a, a uh, a good way that's meaningful to people. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for our church uh, who loves to be together. Give us a great Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.